Podcast for Curious Minds. And here is your host, Gary Cacciolio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse. It's us. And monthly co-host Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you want to become a contributor to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, I guess for today is whoever decides to show up, because this is episode 400. Uh, right now, I have Candace Sanderson on. And uh, we're just going to hang out here and chat and wait and see who else pops in. Thanks for being on again. You know, you are more than welcome, Gary. What's so funny, I just looked up 400 since this, this is your 400th episode. And I realized when I, and I didn't realize it, I had to look it up. But it said that the angel numbers 400 mean that the angels love you dearly and everything is in divine order and everything is perfect so right now it's just you and me and that's okay that's absolutely <laughs> perfect others are going to show up if they do that's great if they don't we'll just hang out and have a great time yeah awesome well thanks for coming on and i'm glad that 400 is a positive number uh, certainly better what am i going to do when i hit 666 I'm in trouble, <laughs> right? I might have to stop at six six five. Well, maybe you you can have six six five A, six six five B, and go six six seven. <laughs> yeah, I only have to skip that number. Right, right. Unless I do like an Iron Maiden episode or something, I could do that. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's funny, Gary, because I, you know, I keep a dream journal, and it is so long. It's it's almost two hundred and fifty thousand words long, wow. and so every night I have these dreams, and and sometimes they're very lucid, and and they might be uh, something like really esoteric, and there's angels, and other times it's just like crazy stuff that makes no sense. But it's so funny because no matter what I'm dreaming. If I haven't listened to your podcast in a while, I'll get on and I'll listen to something. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's like you've been reading my dream journal. It's like <laughs> you pick up on whatever I've been dreaming. But that's just so neat the way those kind of things work out. That is, I love it. That is cool. Like, what do you think that is? Do you think that's uh, synchronicity? Do you think it's just everything is connected, um, coincidence, prophetic? Well, I, I I think it's actually all of the above. I mean, if you think of the word coincidence, the root word to coincidence is coincide. And when something coincides, it means it's like a perfect match. Now, most of the time when someone says, oh, that's just a coincidence, 
we think in terms of, oh, that's something haphazard, doesn't really make any sense. It's just like, oh, isn't that interesting? But no, it's a perfect match. Now, what happens with me is when I'm having a dream or I'm thinking about something or I'm meditating and a subject comes up out of nowhere, and then I find other people like you and your podcast and you're discussing the same topic, that's just a real heads up for me that says, pay attention to this. This is something that's important. So, I, you know, I think it's I think it's all of the above because we are all connected. Now, here in our bodies on, on Earth, we may not feel like it. We may feel like we're not connected to anyone, but we really are. When we rise above our, the physical plane, when we step outside of using our five physical senses, and we start delving into, I don't know, the spirit world, mm -hmm. uh, the world of energy, you know, whatever you want to call it, then you start seeing these connections or feeling these connections that you didn't have before. So I, it's all of them. You know, we are all connected. There's this greater consciousness. And, you know, we can learn to kind of fine tune our brains so we can tap into things like that. Or you've been reading my dream journal. No, you're, you're, you're in Florida, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm in South, yeah. Southwest Florida. Yeah. I'm too far to drive to your house now and read your journal. So I'm, I'm <laughs> right. in Jersey where it's freezing now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I woke up this morning and it was like 59 degrees, which is really cold for us down here. I don't think I, my body could tolerate the cold like it used to. I'm originally from Kentucky, and although mm -hmm. that's not as far north as Jersey, it still gets cold. But yeah, no, I, I've been in South Florida for so long that 60s feel chilly to me. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there is something that connects everything together, especially like with my guests. You know, I don't think it's uh -huh. always a coincidence that certain guests will say yes, certain guests will say no. You know, some I really feel connected with and just have on over and over and over again. They become a regular part of my show. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's almost like um, this podcast has become like a, a network of people in a lot of ways um, that are somehow connected to something, you know. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense because we are all connected. But when you meet someone, I mean, I... I can think back in my life of people that I've met, and I've maybe met them just one time, but I knew there was a connection there. So when you put out to the world your your podcast with all sorts of subjects that you you carry, it raises people's eyebrows, and then they're they might get cold chills, and then they just they get this connection. It's like this makes a lot of sense to me. So. You got the network through your podcast because you're putting it out there for everyone. But those that are connected to it are the ones that are really drawn to what you're saying. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just showing in action what most of us don't really realize is that connectivity to actually everything. But it's great that you have this network. You know, you know, when you meet someone, mm -hmm. sometimes you'll see someone you've never seen them before. And it's like, man, it's like you just met your 
your best friend that you've never seen before, yeah. but you know, you know, below the surface, there is this connection. Interesting. You know, it's weird though. I, I, I can, I feel that through the podcast and with the guests and with the interviews, uh-huh. but when I go out into the real world, it's definitely different for me. You know, I, I find it more difficult to, to read people in everyday life than I do when I'm doing this. Well, and that makes sense because when you're doing this, when you're doing your podcast, you're very focused. And so what happens is you become this beacon. So people are connecting to you and it makes it easier. But when you're out in the world, there's so much stimulation going on, so much to see, to hear, whatever. And it's not always easy to just like kind of calm your mind and then you can see those connections. That makes a lot of sense. And we are now being joined by the living legend, monthly co-host, <laughs> author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, Jared Murphy. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Thanks for showing up so early in the morning. Um yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, We're talking about uh, nice. connectedness, like how everything's connected yeah. and how, you know, um, you know, is how so I've, I sort of built a network of people with all um, how, how just things just have fit together for me to reach this point of 400 episodes. Yeah, well, I think it's you deciding to quadruple down on recording more than anyone. that works doesn't it it's because i decided to do five episodes a week instead of one (laughs) it it does it's uh you you know you you did it and then i'm like do i want to record an episode today well gary will be he's probably done four i should keep recording (laughs) uh nice to meet you candy well you know it's so nice to meet you too jared you know we were just talking about, you know, you meet someone and you feel like you've known them. This is the first time you and I have ever met, but yeah, just I just feel like I've known you my whole life. So it's good to actually see you. <laughs> yeah, uh, are you? Um, I'm. I'm. It's. I'm in the Midwest. It's only eight a.m. where I am. How? Where? Where are you at? Uh, well, I'm in South Florida, so it's um, nine eleven here. Nine right. one. Everybody's uh, everyone's got that extra hour over me. Good. Well, wait. I'm uh, I'm gonna get somebody from tomorrow. Yeah. Who's coming tomorrow? No, she's coming in now, but she's living in tomorrow. Oh, got it. That means uh, it would be uh, from Australia, correct? Correct. <laughs> yep. Great. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Officially, what are we talking about? Other than that happy 400th? You know, it's like whatever we want to talk about. I didn't really plan anything as usual. You know, it's like when I do any episode. It's not like I sit down and think about it. (laughs) No. uh, Candy, have you been on Everything Imaginable a few times? Yes. Yes, I have. (laughs) And and we actually started off, I was telling Gary that I looked up 400 to see what that meant. And in angel numbers, it, it says, angels love you dearly. And everything is divine and in perfect order. So whatever we talk about today is exactly what it needed to be. And it's divinely inspired. What about the demon list? Because I think Gary might have some references there. 
I did bring that up already. Like, like, what am I going to do when I hit episode 666? There's a, there's a reason. Yep. See, there's a reason Gary and I are friends. I just knew there would be another, there'd be a whole nother cycle. And then, uh, yep. So the, uh, yeah, you were just explaining though. I, I had uh camera trouble, not that we're needing to go over it, but I would have been like dead on. So dead on. Uh, but I could not, uh, get my, my camera decided it wasn't going to, it was going to start when it wanted to start. So here we all are. All right. And now we're being joined by somebody from the future. Angie. <laughs> hey, Angie. <laughs> it's like 2am there, right? <laughs> yeah. Someone got it. And I've got dogs too. So that's cool. I got dogs yeah. too. People complain about them barking all the time. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it- middle of the night. We've got, got possums everywhere, so. Oh, I love possums. Hey. They're cute. Yeah. Do you yeah, keep possums as dogs. pets? No, no, no. They just they just live here. You're not allowed to um, move them or trap them. So You can't let them in your house? We all, we all inhabit the world with them. No, they live in the garden, climb around the trees. You'll hear them rumbling around, and then you'll hear the dogs go off. I'll try and find my mute button. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those, well, I'll forget and I'll, I'll forget and you'll have me on air going <laughs> well, you, you and Jared already kind of know each other but I don't think you've ever met Candace before no Angie uh, it's very hi it's very nice to meet you <laughs> Angie's an animal communicator and, oh great and she taught me how to train my dog which did it work? Not with the one dog. No, not with the one that used to pee all over the house and bite me. My wife took that. <laughs> no, you know what happens? My wife took that particular dog. Well, and, he and, was probably uh, he was probably listening to your wife then, and just no, he didn't listen you know? to anybody. He's an anarchist. Do, do, doing her bidding. <laughs> yeah, still good, mum. I'll wait till you go to work, then I'll pull on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ended up with the good I mean, dog. Cohorts with her. Yeah. No, he's a lovely dog. No, he was not a lovely dog. <laughs> he's evil. Uh, but, you know, being an animal communicator, this goes back to what Gary and I were talking about earlier. Everybody mm-hmm. and everything is connected. And yep. once you learn to step outside of the five physical senses and you are connected into this field of energy, then mm. that's when you can not only connect with angels, but you can connect with those beautiful, quite often four-legged friends that we have. And you can really, really discover who they are. And I mean, Absolutely. think about it. So, so many of us who have pets, you know, we know what they're thinking, but the majority mm. of the people think, oh, I'm just making that up. But it's like, no, when you're connecting heart to heart, which means you're in that field of energy, then the things that you're saying, oh, he's thinking this and he's thinking that, he really is because you've connected on such a beautiful, heartfelt level, and that's where true commu- communication takes place. Yeah. So it's absolutely great. And, and, and my work with humans, um, you know, there's always been a, you know, um, there's always been a thing of people saying, oh, it's the placebo effect and and you know when you're working with animals um you know big horse doesn't 
know what I'm doing. He just knows that he feels better, right? He just knows that he's, you know, drooping in and then he just knows that he's just speaking out into the universe and I'm hearing and then he's getting responses back. And, you know, that's the great validation of animals is, is that, um, you know, there is no placebo. They just know what they feel and, and go with that. And, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful experience. It's, it's a lot more satisfying than humans because I, I find that humans, you know, sadly, we, we like to, um, hug our trauma, you know, we, we like to, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a survivor of, of something really bad. So you don't understand why I'm not successful. It's because, you know, of this when I was, and, you know, a lot of us without that would be like, so now what's my excuse for not learning, growing, or being successful? And so it's um, it's a lot harder with people. You know, there's a lot of secondary gains for people to maintain holding on to that. And, you know, right. um, I'll, I'll find that a lot of people are, um, you know, a lot of therapists actually are very busy working with other people so that they actually don't have to have that moment where, they have to, you know, deal with their things that they keep below the surface. And it's right. not until things like the, you know, the last year with COVID and things that, um, that it's actually crippled these people that, that they've actually tumbled down because they haven't had that exterior focus or, you know, training and training and training and doing course after course after course of, you know, um, you know, like I'm sure we all know a woman that has just spent her whole life doing all sorts of different you know, courses and, and, um, and, you know, never actually done any of them as a career. So, I, you know, not just a woman, but what I'm saying is that there's an exterior focus. Whereas animals are just so ready to release any trauma and, and let things go that it's, um, you know, it's a really, really beautiful, beautiful experience. It's a beautiful experience for me. And the validation is, is very clear. Yeah. Well, and that's because when you work with them, it's your heart. Now, mm, I retired a couple, I retired a couple of years ago as a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So as a psychologist, I only believed what my five senses could register. Yeah. Um, yeah. once I learned to step beyond that into mm. that field where I would use my heart, then this whole new world opened up to me. And that is what I think you probably get when you're working with the animals. You know, Absolutely. When, when, when kids are young, um, when you have an infant and they're crying and it's like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And they first develop language. As a parent, mm. you're so happy because now they yeah. can tell me what's wrong. But what That's happens right. in, energetically, though, is they were using their heart before, like animals do, and using their instinct. But once language develops, most of that energy then moves from the heart space to the head. And I knew mm. that personally. As a psychologist, I analyzed and overanalyzed everything. And yep. then when I had my spontaneous opening, I realized, bring all that energy back to the heart. That's where truth, with a capital T, lies. And that's where you can really communicate with people. You know, the brain's great. It certainly helps us, but it also will lead us astray. But bring it back down to the heart and yeah. life gets much better. 
Absolutely. I would even take it a step further than that and, and actually take it from the heart and, and it's actually the subconscious. It's like we're going we're going in us in inside ourselves and then yes. and then down and in and and beyond the veil. And that's when yes. we you know, work with so many incredible things. Yeah. That's so abs- absolutely true. The messengers have told me that the heart is a portal to that other side. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. what gets us there so yeah Yeah, i totally agree with you it's using your mind not your brain using that heart absolutely absolutely See, i I knew i would like you (laughs) 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 it's like everyone that gary is connected to it's like oh man i just love that person (laughs) (laughs) at least most i mean i i do have guests on sometimes that that even creep me out <laughs> those are the ones I probably don't ever turn in tune into <laughs> oh yeah. wow Gary do you want to out that or uh, uh, I, I won't use names but but I, I've had them in fact I, I was doing one yesterday that was uh Uh-oh. you know the, the guy the guy just he, he rubs me the wrong way you know he it seems like he's trying to start a cult which I'm not really a fan of mm are there cults you're fans of? No, I'm not a fan of any cult. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of free thinking <laughs> and individuality. I think Cake summed yeah. it up. Sheep go to heaven and goats go to hell. That's it. Oh, wow. Oh, unless you're not a fan of Cake, then you wouldn't know the reference. It's a, it's a great song. I don't think I've ever heard um, that. The only one I've heard is the... Uh, the race car song. Oh no, they got a great song where it's like sheep go to heaven and goats go to hell. Um, wow. I want to go to Sunset Strip. I mean, it's a great song, but um, well, ruined for the moment. Moving on. <laughs> I think I prefer that song. Um, These boots are made for walking. Yeah, there we go. I love That's that one. Nancy Sinatra. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, I'll be yeah. marching right on in. There'll be no one holding me out of heaven. I had a crush on her when I was a kid. Did you? Oh, yeah. Wow. Those thigh high white boots killed me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Tuggy look. I still prefer that look, actually. I wish people still dressed that way. Yeah, probably not so good on people our age group, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure you would look great in those boots. Yeah, no. Let's let's find some audio at least. So what do you think? You're going to make it to episode 666 then? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to make it to 666. I'll probably do that in a month. (laughs) I was just going to say that. Just give him a few weeks and he'll be there. And we'll be right there with him, won't we? I'll double up to two episodes a day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would be crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, see, because you were talking to us all about dating tonight, that you're dating and and getting, what what did you say? Getting this point a lot or something or getting downloaded or something. The whole dating situation. Well, actually, you know, and I've been talking about. So we decided, hang on, hang on, we decided. That you could do a whole bunch of interviews of interview the girl before the date, picture unseen, and attitude unseen. 
mm-hmm. and then again post-date. Now, that would be a cool theory. Mm. See, that'd, that'd rock through your, your up to number 666. <laughs> well, actually, Jared is sort of like my dating coach. You know, whenever I have Uh-oh. these female problems, I, yeah. I go to Jared, and Jared gives me advice, and I don't take it. I just do what I want. And how's it working for you, Jared, your advice? Uh, well, so I, I just gave him this crazy advice to start with, which is um, despite how the last relationship ebb and flow to uh, take some time for himself, maybe, maybe you know, the classics therapist uh, month for every year and to yeah. not date anyone and date yourself, be present to you. That's right. Heal. That's right. uh, yeah. That was the basic thing to do. But Gary said, I'm smashing that. I'm going to go pick the next Mrs. Wrong yesterday. <laughs> and then, and she can have half of the half of the half he's got left. <laughs> yep. So instead of um, like, Instead of finding value and, uh, you know, I said, you know, classic, uh, you know, men replace, women grieve. I said, perhaps uh, break the barrier and just uh, be present to yourself right now and and uh, stay there for a while and enjoy it. And Gary, go ahead and respond to that. You have other wise people I, I, here. I, I have a lunch date this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> that says it all. <laughs> I don't know what to I mean, make. I don't know what to make of a lunch date, though. I've never been on a lunch date. I've always gone by the theory that lunch date is really a dump date. But I'll, what's I'll, a dump date? No, a lunch a lunch date is what adults do. You haven't dated for a long time because you married for a long oh, time. We're really for, happy. We've been dating for three weeks. That's a long time. Okay, so. Oh my God! Do you remember when we were young? Like you used to get like a note written to you, and you'd be, you know, like we really dated. Yep. No one dates yes, no. now. They just have, they just have, um, you know, hookup. Yep. Really well, I don't think this one wants a hookup because it would have happened by now. Now that one girl, I thought wanted a hookup. The one that was married and living with her husband and had a boyfriend. Oh my! <laughs> and you went there. So I went on a date. I, I, I went on a date with her, and she told me like what was going on. And I said to her, "I said, you know, this is the weirdest date I've ever had, other than the one where the girl pulled a gun on me." Oh no! And, and she's like, "Wow, that's pretty bad." And I'm like, so, "Yeah." So the girl is... pulled a gun on you is demanding sex, or uh, she, she ended up driving. She, <laughs> she, 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 she ended up that's driving. Good. She ended up driving me to New Hampshire, the one with the gun. Give it to me, guys. She, she Give drove it to me. me. She dro- the girl with the gun. Pulled the gun on me, put me in a car, drove me to New Hampshire. We went to a motel room. We're in the motel room. We're, we're kind of, you know, getting it on. And then some dude walks in that I didn't know. <gasps> <laughs> and uh, it's and anyway, by the end of the trip, I got I went home with two broken ribs. So, <gasps> so they were robbing you. So so that was like a rough. That was the worst worst date. So that was a and it was a first was date it? too. It was the worst first date I ever had. Gary, do you well, have your liver and all your kidneys? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that's the worst first date. I would hate to hear one worse. Well, the, the second one was my worst one. It's one of the, like, like with the, she was married and she had a boyfriend. And, um, you know, so and I told her, I said, this, this is crazy, you know. And, and I didn't expect to ever hear from her again. Like two, and two days later, she calls me up, says, hey, I want to meet you at the park. So I, I did it, 
and, and uh, she, she, she jumped in my car and she was all over me. And then she's like, oh, I, ca I can't do this. I can't do this. She jumped out. I said, all right, cool. You know, two days later, she calls me back up again. She comes over to my house. She's all over me again. And then uh, she, all of a sudden, she just like panics and gets up and leaves. And then she sends me a text saying like, we're not compatible. You know, for your 400th episode, instead of 40 first dates, it could be 400 first mistakes. Mm. <laughs> huh? Well, I didn't ever expect her to call me back. By the way, we are now joined by the legendary psychic from Canada, Robert Lindsay Milne. He is good of a yeah, psychic hey, as I am a podcaster. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a compliment or an insult. I was going to say, what? <laughs> What are your thoughts? I don't have too many. It's early in the morning for me. <laughs> I just dropped in, Gary, to uh, congratulate you on Thank your you. 400. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be another four or 500 coming along in the next year. And uh, <laughs> just wanted to say hi and congratulations. I got to get to work now myself. So way to go. <laughs> Thanks for dropping in, man. And just say you know, that's Candace Anderson. She's the yeah. executive Hi. producer. Jared Murphy, Hi. monthly co-host. <clears throat> Angie Breyers Hi. from the future. Hi. From Hi. Australia. From the future. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? So great meeting, everybody. So uh, keep it up there, Gary. I'm trying. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, Robert. If I was going to take a guess coming in on a date at gunpoint that you went to, there's a lot to unpack here. You might want to edit that part out. <laughs> I'm not, I don't edit it, man. It, it, it happened, you know. Um, you know, I met her. So, so, I, so, I, was I, it, can I just ask? Can I just interrupt? Sorry. I'm really good at interrupting, which is why I'm here. But um, <laughs> so, so was it a planned robbery or was it something that you enjoyed and asked for? Or okay. paid for or so, so, so no no I didn't I didn't pay for it but here, a great here, question. here's what happened this was this was like um I guess the early 2000s when there was like all these Yahoo chat groups and I was uh -huh. in a a chat group um you know it was like a BDSM type of chat group and she started talking oh, okay. talking to me but I thought she was kidding about the gun you know so I didn't take the gun part seriously, but apparently she was really serious about this gun. Gary, mm -hmm. no bueno. No, no. No, no. I, I was young. I was stupid. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it was like crazy, too, because I took a Greyhound bus to freaking Boston to meet her. Oh, my God. You could have disappeared and never been seen again. <laughs> <laughs> this is a and whole other. Never have this you, you could have been sold into the sex slavery trade. <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to want me for sex slavery. <laughs> Can that, you that, see that? Yeah. Have you seen if that happened? I think I would have been happy. <laughs> um, I think this is a question no for you girls, <laughs> please. please. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I I think Gary, you know, again, trying to just like chill with the dog and you know move beyond your <clears throat> cyclical dating pool and uh uh i got one this afternoon little, just date yourself no yeah mm -hmm. 
You know what? Enjoy your own company. I, I am. 50, you know something? I am fifty-four oh, years old. I might as well just crash and burn. <laughs> oh, Angie, pick up where you left off because you heard him. You just heard him. He thinks he should I crash. Did. And burn. I did. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, you are what you think. So, you know, well, I think I'm awesome, but I just haven't found a man that's bigger than me because I'm awesome. Huh. <laughs> you know what? I'm a man bigger. But you, than all the men or, or all the women that are available in the country of Australia. I could take on See, that whole country. Go. There so, you go. So maybe there I should go. maybe I should just move to Australia. Well, I don't think they plan on opening their border till twenty sixty seven unless their dystopian government ends some point. How's that looking, Angie? It's looking fine. I think a lot of the news that you'll get overseas is um is a bit exaggerated. You know, we, right. So I'm in Canberra. I'm a, I'm a kilometer from the prime minister's house and parliament house. And, um, you know, uh, you, you'll, you'll wear a mask to the shop, but, you know, people arrive here. They don't have the masks on. No one says to anyone, Hey, you double vaxxed or do you have your vaccination, you know, yeah. uh, driver's license thingy? Yeah. It's, it's just very comfortable here. You know, I think people are, um, Comfortable, 98% double vaccinated. And so, you know, if people aren't vaccinated, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, the other thing that there's a lot of people here starting to see something a bit off with these pictures, right? So, you know, you've got Prince Charles who had COVID and then he got his vaccinations and then he got boosted and now he's got COVID again, right? And he's pretty ill with it. So all of a sudden, our um, our statistics, you know, stopped having who was double vaxxed and who was unvaccinated that that got COVID and and who in hospital was double vaxxed or not. And so they've sort of dropped all of these things away. So you know, there's this big question here in Australia, like, hmm. So is Omicron just a name they've given for? Oh, holy heck! There's all of these. Um, side effects coming from the vaccination because, you know, the waves are coming almost like the production of the, or, you know, the delivery of the, the injections. It's, it's, you know, a lot of interesting questions going on over here. Oh, thank God. That's good to hear. I, I've been to Australia. I think I mentioned I've been there uh, two months on a month on two separate trips and right. I've been all, I've been a lot of places in the world, but Australia was the first place I'd ever been that I told people, I would move there. I mean, yeah. Granted, I'm a Murphy and an O'Davern and and you know, felt like I fit right in. But uh, yeah. you know, the I I I traveled quite a bit from the Gold Coast to Melbourne, and I you know I I drove the the road to the Twelve Apostles. I mean, I I, I yeah. rented an, an mm. Audi Roadster TT convertible, six speed transmission. That was really fun to drive that road. My hands were raw. What a road. But yeah, it's beautiful. <clears throat> I've been in, you know, I, I do think Australia is incredible. And then watching what happened over the last, at least from the news, from what we were looking yeah. at, it was like, I, I thought that would have been the last, that would have been the most free, most independent, most free thinking country on the planet. And it's like, oh my God, don't, don't be stuck there during a, a, a social sheep meltdown. It was, it, it started to look really bad, at least internationally. Yeah. Look, look. There's a, there, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of marches at the moment that are people, but you know, 
it's sort of whatever subject the media wants to run it on. So, you know, they're running it on, um, you know, anti-mandates, which we've already been told there will be no more mandates, right? There will be no more oh. mandated closures and things like that. Um, you know, I think the government's sort of stepping back from it a little bit because, you know, you've already got one country that's been sued, right? They've been sued with um, crimes against humanity uh, subpoenas and... You've also got um, you've also got you know an election year here, so you know they they need to sort of step back and sort of pass it on to the health directive, so that you know all the negativity is away from the government. So you know there's a lot of stepping back here, and and they they're they're moving up. You know my son um, flies around the world for his job at the moment, and you know he's he's off in Singapore, and and they're free to fly in and out. You know he doesn't have the lockdown days when he gets back unless he is, is positive and um yeah we're free to travel to any country he'll take us the double back yeah well wait you can fly if you're vaxxed but not if you're unvaxxed yeah yeah all right that's still Apparently. disappointing but yeah you know. but you know you know we 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 also um have have relied on a lot of um you know information from the states so yeah not, things are not like or who yeah. yeah. So, so you know, as, as as things are starting to not look quite right, yeah, you know, I think they'll sort of step back from that as well. You but know, one thing I find like there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of things over here. You know, there should be a Facebook page called "What's Wrong with This Picture?" Hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, there's a thing of like, um, okay, so so we are so short on nursing staff that um, if you have COVID. You can go to work, right? You know, yeah. as long as it's not too bad and it's too sick. But if you don't have the vax and you don't have COVID, you can't work. Yeah, there's something. The other How does that yeah. in New Jersey too? There's yeah, no it makes no sense. sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. No, no. There's there's something way off with this. Someday people have to pay for this, but mm. in Alabama um, we could do anything we wanted. Well, America. So, yeah, you know, and I think it's even too in Australia, isn't it? Sort of like go by section by section. Because I had a friend in Melbourne yeah. and like he seemed like he was always in lockdown. Yeah, they were locked down for a very long time. They were locked down for a very long time. But here in here in, in um, the ACT, which is um, Australian Capital Territory, um, everyone here just locked down, did it, wore masks, kept clean and... Um, so we were out of it pretty quick. Yeah, pretty good state here. You know, there's a lot of government workers, obviously, and and things, and, and um, you know, defence force and things like that. So people sort of tend to um, really, you know, just do it, get it done, bite bullet. And yeah, so we were lucky. But yeah, Melbourne was just. But you know, Melbourne had these great lockdowns and things, and I can absolutely understand why they do that when when they had that harsher strain come through um but the the problem is you always have you know a fully team of elites that go and have a big party and then all these other people go and then you know there's 10 cases of covid who all take it home and to their office and to the marketing department and to the you know and then every day that doubles right the numbers double so all of a sudden you have you know a an outbreak again and then they have to drop it so you know they just have idiots there that's all 
Mm. So, so what's pretty, the- pretty much, pretty much here in my state, everyone just went, "Yep, do the time, we'll be through it," and pretty much everyone did. Yeah. So I, I was reading in the Daily Mail this morning about the uh, the Chinese are not happy with your prime minister. Not that you're we're doing politics of Australia, but since we have someone <laughs> oh. local on the on the line yeah taking a stab at him that the uh prime minister is a puppet of uh the u.s which makes no sense because well england and i don't understand where that was coming from but i read it this morning before uh we started our 400th episode so hmm. yeah well australia, australia does very much follow the states but because i don't follow a lot of the politics here it's you know, it's um, yeah, shifting sands. That, that's not, yeah. not true, Angie, because because you know more about American politics than I do. Yeah, right. You do. <laughs> it's, it's the craziest thing, because like we had like a little chat yeah. group in, in uh, Messenger, and, and Angie's like telling me all this information that's happening in the United States. I'm like, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, the guys are like, what? And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Angie, what do you think of the stuff going on in Canada right now? Um, oh, see, I don't understand Canada either. I, no one um, does. Yeah, <laughs> and I live near Canada. I, yeah, I, I, share I always thought he was. Yeah. I always thought he was a good prime minister, but then apparently it seems like he's not. So I don't, I don't really understand why. So I, you know, I don't have enough knowledge of that to to sort of make a judgment there. Yeah, but I. You know, I I really do I really do have a great sadness for America that you know all of these people are still blindly following Trump when you know it can't get any clearer. You know, to them, you know, he's offered he's offered, yeah, keep your mouth shut, and then if if I go into politics again, and if I win, then I will give you. Uh, what do you call it? You know, when you get out of jail free, um, pardon. Yeah, pardons, right? And you know, and we're sitting over here going, he won't even pay Giuliano his fees. So how? Why would he bother doing that? You know, and I guess just like, oh my god, how stupid are some people that they just blindly follow? You know, they start off they follow because he told them apparently that there is. Um, you know, there is um, cheating going on. And it was very quickly shown that it wasn't, and even all their facts were, like, completely ridiculous. They weren't even, you know, they were nonsensical. They were, you know, if you follow the money trail of those machines, you know, it doesn't go anywhere near Venezuela. Like, it, it's just so ridiculous. But, but people are still, so then they're finding other reasons to keep staying there. It's almost like, they want to stay in that that ringer, and it and it makes no sense to me, you know that that they are, you know they're going to send your country into a civil war. See, no? I knew nothing of this. Well, mm. th- there is. Um, I think what's going to be bigger than Watergate is what's going on right now. I mean, it's been proven Hillary Clinton <laughs> did spy on a sitting president, and did. Um, I think what's going down now with the reports coming out that the steel, steel dossier, everything that's been said all along. Yeah. I, I mean, not, not that Democrat politics are, 
uh, any different than sitting politicians uh, seem to work on their own accord. But I think what's going down in the last 72 hours will be bigger than Watergate. I didn't know anything was happening, you know, but I don't really pay attention to it. Like my, my understanding of the government now is completely different than the way other people understand it because they're doing the podcast and talking to government insiders and stuff like that. All these elected officials, congressmen, uh, senators, presidents, they don't mean shit. They have no power at all. The people that have the power are these people that are in the military industrial complex and these guys that have been in there for 30, 40 years and actually get to pick their own successors and have their own agendas. And out of that, out of these group of people though, there's two separate groups of them. There are the people that, that want to give the, the people in the United States the truth and the freedom that they feel that we deserve. And there's another group of people that basically are greedy. They just essentially want to use us as slaves and keep us in the dark. And these two sides that are underneath this facade of electoral freedom are fighting against each other. Mm. And they're not Democrats and they're not Republicans. They are these just, you know, is, is greed versus, you know, non-greed. And that's what's happening. But it's these people that have been there forever and are picking their own successors. It's not the elected officials. The elected f- officials are basically puppets of these other people. The whole system's a little broken. Absolutely. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's yeah. kind of how I understand it. <laughs> well, we could, um, now that we've covered all the happy stuff, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, gosh, this is a really bright, cheerful conversation tonight. Well, it's it? not that bad, though, because there are people out there that want the truth out, you know, and, I, and I've been in contact with, like, when I first started this podcast, mm-hmm. I told Jared, like, we had this, had this conversation about backing up our shit all the time, because the yep. government freaking, I, one day I woke up and everything off both my computers were deleted. It was good. They were both what? gone. So, so when you get raided yeah. by the government, they don't come into your house and take your stuff like you see with like Mayor Giuliani. That's just a, a show. If they want mm-hmm. the stuff off your computer, they're going to come in remotely and they're just going to wipe it out. And that's what they did to me. So I had to start wow. backing things up. But since I started, became friends with, uh, you know, a guy who used to work with the CIA and he's like a regular on my cat show now and stuff like that, all that is stopped. And now I get wow. like these more better guests from that certain camp of people of the disclosure type of people. So, so, yeah. and he also is the one who told me about, you know, that this whole military industrial complex and these guys, that's how it works. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. How's your remote viewing been going, Gary? I haven't been doing much of it. Um, I have to start again now. Yeah. And he was the guy, he's the guy, the remote viewing guy. He was amazing. I'm really interested in that because I want to see how it aligns with, you know, things that I do, like, like the work that we all do, mm-hmm. you know. So, it, it's, it was amazing. You know. I took a class with about 20 people in it, and, and the data that we all came up with was the same data. There, I have no doubt that it works. It, it's pretty amazing. Hey, Gary, if Angie hasn't heard about it, um, can you explain who taught you? Uh, his, his name was um, David Morehouse. He he wrote the remote viewing manual for the CIA. Um, he was taught by 
Russell Targ, who ran yeah. all of that. Um, yeah, you know, the reason I, I was lucky to get him on a guest because what happened was that I had this whole Project Scargate thing happen to me where I had another guest uh, who told me he was a part of Star, Project Stargate and he was going to send, he sent me like these um, MP3s that they used. And we listened to them and they were interesting. And then he sent me the original copies to my binaural production engineer. We made copies of them and cleaned them up and everything. Um, but we never put them out. We never released them. And they were made by um, Bob Monroe. And, uh, right. Which is Joe McMonagle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so we, we ne- I never released them. And then I sent, uh, I was doing, wanted to do some more remote viewing episodes. I sent uh, Dave a request. And at first he was like, oh, you know, I don't really want to do podcasts, you know. What is your interest in this topic? So then I explained to him like how I had these files and stuff, and boom, he was like on the next day. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And he's like, by no means, don't release those. They're not real. You'll get your ass in trouble. And Gary, talk about your. Uh, uh, you told me about the remote viewing where they it kind of freaked you out a little bit about one of the exercises that they had you do well, about. Well, uh, well, what oh, we would do is we like you give you a, a, a eight digit number. It's associated with the target. You don't know what the target is. Um, you listen to a binaural sound, and it puts you into an alpha state. And you wear like one of these. It's a, a blindfold, so you're in complete darkness. And oh, wow. um, and then when after you come out of it, you you, you um. You draw an ideogram, basically, which is just like a line that goes up and down, and then you probe the line, and you write down, you know, what you feel, what you're sensing from that line, and then you kind of start making lists of those type of things, and then you keep opening the aperture more and more and more. There's like six stages to it until you have like a full drawing and a full um, description of, of the target, and um, there, there was two, one target that um, real. Two of them that I really got good. Like one was uh, um, the target was um, an oil drilling rig going drilling into a lake, and then the lake turned into like a, a whirlpool and wiped out this town. And and I had drew it like perfectly, and you know there was like no way I could have guessed that target. And then another target I had gotten really good on was like, this giant robot. You know, I had gotten the gears. This thing had like this big yellow breastplate that I, I, I had drawn, drawn and labeled yellow. And it, it was just amazing. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, holy shit. Oh, Look no, is. I was just going to. Um, so. Who? It's Greg what? Bornstein. Dude, where's what? your beard? Uh, dude, I <laughs> Dude, I am I'm trying your dating strategy as well, man. I'm starting from Uh oh. Oh no, we're back to this. <laughs> oh no. Is that is that what is that what this, they've been talking about the whole time? No, I don't uh, no. <laughs> no, Greg, we just we started with uh we were we were just in the middle of remote viewing. Bring this back to dating. How has it gone for you? Yeah, let's hear about your dating. <laughs> wants to hear this. I, I mean you gotta be doing you gotta be killing it in New York, man. 
Oh, I, you know, I, I, I've, yeah, things are going great. Things are going great, man. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, what is, what is this conversation? Hey, Candace, I've never met you before. How are you? I've never met you. Very good to meet you, Greg. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure. But you're actually one of the first, weirdly enough, first of all, congratulations, Gary. Thank you, man. Uh, um, yeah, 400 episodes, such a, uh, such a milestone. Yeah, I plan on um, hitting 800 by the end of the month. <laughs> Easily, <laughs> and it's a short month. <laughs> I believe I. They feel like you could. I weirdly enough, you know, uh, your episode with Candace was one of the first ones I listened to. I think it was the first episode wow. of everything imaginable I listened to. Yeah, because it See, was the Gary? the reluctant. I like the title of reluctant. I, I that drew me in. It was good. Well, I am reluctant, and the messengers gave me that title, The Reluctant Messenger. It's like so true. But Gary and I were talking earlier before anyone came on about how every once in a while I'll pick up on one of his podcasts that I haven't, you know, hadn't listened to. I don't, I don't always listen to all of them, Gary. But when <laughs> I do, there is such a connection. And I said, it's like he's been reading my dream journal. But we were talking about He's just started this whole network, and there's a reason why we choose that episode or we connect to this person. So it's great to meet you, Greg. Likewise. But wait, so is it Candy? It's Candy. Well, it's it, as an Candace. author, I use the word Candace, but my name is Candy because I have a, tw <laughs> I have a twin sister named Cookie. So it's like the yeah. married weather twins, <laughs> cookie and candy. But at my age, it's like, what can you do with, you can't do anything with cookie. So I right. had my name legally changed to Candace. So it makes me sound more sophisticated, but people who know me, it's like, it didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't know if it's the same in Australia, Angie, uh, but in America, if you walk around and your name is Candy, Right. That has a yeah, connotation. Right. I, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Which in, in, does that take in us New back Zealand, to dating? <laughs> yeah. In New Zealand, um, um, we we knew some boys at at, at, um, at high school. They weren't at our high school, but we played sports against them. And they were twins, and they were called Benson, and the other one was called Hedges. And um, <laughs> I had a I had a um, Islander mate, and his name was Bus Stop because he was born at the bus stop. <laughs> well, his mom was waiting for the bus to go to the hospital, and he actually got run over five times in his life. My, oh gosh. my gosh! Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a funny dude. You know, just one of those little funny, like Islander dudes. Just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. He's like the Fifty Cent of roadkill. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I've, yeah. Ne I've never been. He was standing over. at the lights. He was standing at the lights when he was a little kid, like with his brothers and that. And his brother standing behind him. His brother went. You know, like the, the buzzer thing, and so he just stepped down and got hit by a motorbike. And oh then, my gosh. another time, wow. like I remember, he was, he was driving a cart down the road, and and the brake, you know, the wooden brake things, it snapped, and he went straight through the intersection and got bowled by a car. And then one time, they were playing um, hide and seek around the house, and they the driveway went down into the garage like that. And his uncle drove in, and drove <gasps> over the rolled up mat, hit a bump. And then back back out again. Okay, is oh Bus Stop still alive? 
Yeah, I want him as a. I need him as a guest. I was gonna say (laughs) that is the perfect guest. (laughs) That's four hundred one episode four hundred one. I think. Yeah, Yeah, I'll give him the name of a good attorney who can have his name changed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Candy, my uh, my neighbors directly across the street had two daughters, and they named (laughs) one Candy, and the younger daughter was named Cherry. Oh, wow. Oh, nope. Their real names, Candy and Cherry. Oh, bless their hearts. Hmm. So you're not alone. There you go. You, yeah, you could all be in a little little, little glass container together in heaven. Well, Candy, right, Cookie, Candy, Cookie, Cherry, and Candy. That's <laughs> that's some, sweet, right? Yeah. Willy Wonka parents. Right. I guess. Better than me. Yeah. I have 12 kids. They're all named after an apostle. <laughs> well, now it's... It, <laughs> Gary, have a, do you have that four? on your dating site? <laughs> well, 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 Gary in um, what what language is it? Like some kind of Czechoslovakian language is a name for Jesus. <laughs> oh my gosh! No comment. <laughs> Greg, are you in New York proper? I mean, are you in downtown? I am. I'm in, no, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. What about you, Jared? This is a new setup. My gosh. Did oh, you move from um, your place? No, it's same same place. Um well, not my uh yes, not the the last time we recorded, I was in the uh studio you had, like, at North trains King. going by every day. Yes. There's yeah. less trains, but it is Minneapolis, so That's uh, right, I remember that. Yep, there's yeah. definitely Yeah. It's That's hilarious. Uh there are still um, you know, after the whole uh george floyd thing yeah there's still um uh quite a bit of uh uh minneapolis and st paul are still a little backward in their management but uh uh the rest of the state is relatively sane but yes this is um you know a different broadcast location so yeah yeah um i do actually yeah i do two different things i do two different setups now but uh i've been broadcasting out here for about seven months I think uh, the studio, uh, it is, it was just, it did, it got a little loud, you know, with the trains. Yeah. 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 I love the trains. So was that a separate studio of your place? What was that? Was that a separate studio of your home? Uh, Well, so the other studio is in in Northeast. It's an arts district and it was in an arts building with a lot of artists. And uh, it was great at night, you know, then it, it, you know, it was very quiet. Uh, but there are metal workers and there are, I mean, there's a lot of different studios that are working studios. So people are building, right. you know, everything from very functional stair uh, projects, you know, you, to ceramics. And so it, it got noisy. And so this is, uh, this is actually, um, you know, personal space. This is a loft. So, wow. uh, and I usually turn this around a couple of different ways. I just, I put out a documentary about what it's been six weeks, Gary, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but so all my production work has been going on here, but, uh, you know, I, I've been doing some expeditions, went to the Grand Canyon, you know, and, and did all that. But, uh, I was curious about New York. If you were, uh, you know, the news doesn't look so good from there either. We've already covered Australia. So thought I'd ask you about, (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) this got so political. What was it? Your 300th or your 200th episode? Last time we were together. 
the, when we all did that group thing. Was it for 200? I, I think it was 200, 200. yeah. I yeah. skipped 300. Yeah, I skipped three. Yeah. Well, my God. <laughs> uh, the next one, Greg, you missed. We are going to do something for the 666. Oh, that'll be good. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't the real number like 662 or something? I mean, it's not really 666, right? Shouldn't we do one for the – shouldn't we throw some respect on the real number? Isn't it? Isn't it a lower keyed number? I don't, I don't, I don't follow know. that, but I don't think it's so, 666. So why, why is it a different number? Like why do they, you know, change the numbers and sort of go, oh, no, no, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, Someone I think – Someone said it's this one. I, I, you know, I kind of like blurred out on the specifics, uh, but it's, uh, yeah. it's not actually 666 is a misnomer. I know the number is right. lower. I think it's actually, I mean, what's ringing in my head from the history of it, it's like 623 or, I mean, what, right. but it's not, it's not 666 sounds good and it got stuck in urban myths. So it's kind of there, but yeah. So oh, no. that means I got to mm. change the number that's tattooed on the back of my head. Oh, damn it. <laughs> well, just don't go to jail again and shave oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> or you could just shave one side of it and then add a number. So That's it could be right. six, you know, you know, and then like whatever the real number is on the other side. Six, eight, eight, for- six. And then when you do a handstand, it's nine, eight, nine. Ooh, see? Yeah. It's yeah. all perspective, isn't it? This is the episode, everybody that's a faithful, everything imaginable listener, listen to this episode so you can learn who Gary really is, (laughs) and then go back. You have 399 other episodes to learn that this satanic Jesus Messiah figure (laughs) has been conducting interviews this entire time. This is where you get, this is some inside knowledge that you don't get anywhere else when we have these episodes. I'm I'm honored to be a part of it. We we all know the real Gary. Uh, but Greg, right. what have you been up to? Oh, you know, I mean, being back in New York City, um, but nothing, nothing too radical. I mean, I uh, last time I talked to Gary, I was talking about kind of creating this new form of hypnosis, which I'm always trying to. Oh, do Oh, mind that. scraping. Soul scraping. Soul scraping. Soul scraping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've been doing a little bit more of that. Um, still doing the podcast. Still trying to, you know, I, I, I have lots of questions about, you know, that this two years in, almost two years in June, into the paranormal, dedicating myself to talking to, to fringe, quote unquote, uh, guests. And I guess I'm curious, Gary, after sorry to pivot this back, but I'm going to pivot back to Gary. 400 episodes in, um, are you still? Does it still interest you? Oh. Do you still like this stuff? More do, than do still- more than ever, more than ever. I, I, I'm wanting to. I want to dive into it even deeper, man. You know, really? Oh yeah. What do you think? I mean, what's the difference? Look, I mean, you had Carry on very early. You've had Jared on multiple times. You know the core arguments, and maybe this is just. Someone like me that is so, you know, once I hear the thesis statement, oh, it's not aliens, it's us. Oh, we have abilities that are innate that people don't even realize. I kind of walk around that and go, okay, I get the point. What is it for you, though, that makes you go, I could have 
20 more psychics on next week and have entirely different conversations, and that will still be engaging for me. What is it, Gary? I'm curious. You know, um, at this point, as, as you know, like one of the topics I typically dive into quite a bit is quantum physics. And, you know, in... I I think like I love talking about it, but I'm actually in a way I'm searching for something too. I am searching for a way to um, experience complete and total spiritual ecstasy for eternity. Wow, that's pretty awesome, dude. But I mean, you will. Who, who doesn't want that, though? Isn't that what everybody wants? But you will at some point. Well, isn't part of the know? question? Oh, sorry, Greg. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, well, I, I do want to hear what Angie's response is, why we're so certain of that. Because, um, oh, that's a good question, Greg. Um, I don't know, it's just a knowing. Because so much points to, um, like, uh, you know, near-death experiences for me, and I've experienced near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences and, you know, visions and all, all sorts of things. But I, um, from, from, from my learning, um, Where we are here, it, it's almost like, uh, let's say, let's say it's like going to the movie theaters. Then you say, right, we go to the movies on Friday night. And on Friday night, we go to the movies, and then they have all the posters and all the little trailers. And, you know, each of these life is like a little trailer. And, and we, you know, we just go and have an adventure down here and do this and experience things in the physical. And, you know, I might want to learn about, um, it's, uh, I might want to learn about cancer because, you know, I see a lot of children that, that come across and, and they need help because they're, you know, it's, a, it's an experience. And so I want to go and work with them as they come across. So I might decide to go and, you know, in this life I want to study cancer and how it affects the body so that I can be more effective in my work with, you know, children crossing over or something or, you know, I might say, look, I want to bring into the world um, the the way that it's actually so simple to connect with animals, mm. and and so I'm going to come down and and you know do that, and then I'll create these experiences which will allow me to 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 step back through the veil, through trauma first of all, and then understanding that, and then learning how to go through it naturally myself to reach through and bring those tools back. And then share them with other people here to so bring them into this incarnation. You know, I think we just come down here for, you know, adventures and learning and sharing and experiencing, you know, in a physical body. It's, it's like, you know, you can describe a mango and how juicy it is and how the smell is just so fragrant when you're, you know, in a, in a orchard of ripe mango trees and, and how the, the taste when it's chilled is so beautiful. You know, you might think, you know what? I really, 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 all eternity, what I've wanted to do is eat mangoes. And mm. I can't do that in that form, but I want to go down there with kind of experience it in, in physical, you know. I, I can't understand trauma and how people, you know, let's say I can't understand how 
how, you know, uh, humans, for example, in this incarnation, humans um, can't just walk away when, when there is evil around them or darkness or, you know, domestic abuse. Why can't they walk away? Well, you know what, I might not. I'm going to go down and experience it because I think that I would be able to handle it this way and then survive it and then share that out. And, you know, and then you come down and you go, oh, my God, too hard. I'm off. And you go back and you think, you know what, I might come again and do that. So, um, you know, it's, I, I do like to term it like a school, but then it's, it's probably more nowadays as a, as a, you know, an oldie, I'm, I'm sort of coming to the thing of like, I think it's, I think it's like a movie theater where we come and have these adventures and we share knowledge and we, we help other people and we, you know, we have incredible experiences like the trauma in my life so i've just had an mri this week and um uh, on my brain and they they um oh there's the so you've had a six year in infancy and so we can see that by that going around there and so we have you know mild acute and then severe and so yours is severe see how it goes all the way around there and like yep and we can tell it was infancy because see the bottom of the brain there how it's kind of pushed up that means that your brain was dying. And it's like, wow. And so then I can talk to my sisters in New Zealand and we can talk about it and go, so it was true that dad tried to, you know, asphyxiate you as a baby. You know, it's like these validations, but wow. And, you know, and then, and then sort of knowing that, so with all of that lack of oxygen in my body, things as an infant, how I have set up these coping systems to override that in my life and actually been a functional, um, effective, you know, entrepreneurial troubleshooter all my life, multitasking, and then I get to this stage and it's like, wow, you know, like it's it's pretty cool. Well, that it's must pretty be the cool same how- too with um, like even Jared's research, right? There, there's always as soon as I, I know, for example, you know, like once Graham Hancock will, uh, you know, put something out there that says, hey, look at this little thing that we said that validates this theory. Then all of a sudden, ev- all the research before, and same with you, Angie, all your research before into yourself and the psyche uh, and our understanding of ancient history, once you discover one new piece of evidence, um, all of a sudden everything shifts slightly. Yeah, And you Absolutely. can look back and have more of an experience. Um yeah. Yeah, Jared, what were you saying about that? <laughs> what were you saying about my nebulous question? Um, oh, no, well, more importantly, what you're bringing up is, what's interesting is, um, one is to come up with a hypothesis, and like, personally, when I say self-experimentation, you have to have a, a you have to apply it personally. There are different ways that it ebbs and flow. What, what, whoever our personal manifestation is, our personal experiences, we start with the building blocks of our experiences and our past. But then as we see new windows of consciousness and experience, the idea is through whether it's your meditation, not, I don't want to load you with the answers. It's more of you hear a lot from people also, but in your life personally, my question back to you is, it's one thing to hear a theory or a process, but then how are you applying or what's your personal interest in developing this manifestation of you now? And not in a woo-woo way, but practical. It, it doesn't matter. I You pick up karate or you pick up a 
climbing or you uh, I'm a runner. That's one aspect. That's how, there's there's physical and mental and spiritual aspects that I think uh, plug us in further to this existing experience that you're in. So I'm just wondering how how do you take all these theories personally or what you hear from me or Gary or anyone else you've ever interviewed or anything else you ever do? What does it look like for you on a day-to-day basis? I mean, or, you know, what, what, what Great inspires question. you? Holy crap. That's an interesting question. <laughs> right, you know, that you, Greg? <laughs> we should all take a turn answering this question. This is a very, yeah, yeah this is a hard, I mean, yeah, I sit with this a lot because I think there is a uh, there's often a disconnect between that which I'm passionate about and that which is useful to the world. It seems, at least in the Western materialist commodification of goods and services, uh, because look, I mean, Gary sent me down the path. Mm-hmm a little more than 200 of his episodes ago of uh time travelers because he was like greg i want to find a time traveler for my show and i was like oh yeah i want to find a time traveler for my show too um so we were we were both kind of on a search for them and weirdly enough i started finding people um now some people i think are less credible than others but then once you start going into that domain you realize that there are a lot of people lot of people that are fascinated with time travel um and a lot of people that claim they've been a part of it and and it's in the cultural zeitgeist and it's uh and every single time i discover someone that i believe might know another piece of the time travel puzzle um and i really believe they have something to offer i light up inside so what am i doing with that it's a great question. I sit there and I'm like, okay, I'm at my day job and I've, <laughs> I've DM'd someone and asked them if they've ever time traveled before. That's kind of my opener. That's my, if you're looking for pickup lines, Gary, try time traveler <laughs> question mark next time you're on a dating app. See what happens. Uh, you might get some interesting results. No, but yeah, I, 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 I that, that's my go-to with some of these people. I say time traveler question mark and they go, yeah, what do you want to know about it? And all of a sudden, my brain opens up in a different way, in the same way that uh, one might have a psychedelic trip or, or whatnot. It feels like something in my brain is just going, wow, I want to know this person's story. So, Jared, to that point, I'm not entirely sure yet. I And I reflect on this a lot. I'm going, is it, have I always had a lifelong relationship with time? Do I want to believe that this possibility exists? Do I know inside of me, based on the evidence um, that, you know, out-of-place artifacts, which I know you talk about a lot, a lot of different anomalies throughout the world, that this has been a thing in the cultural imprint that is somehow getting, uh, you know, because we have amnesia, I suppose, diluted over time, but it's in me still. Uh, I'm not entirely sure... But I definitely know that it's I'm not leaving. Oh, it opens me up every single time. Every time I learn about it, anytime there's a new piece of the time travel puzzle that feels legitimate, I am drawn to it. And I truly am not sure what to make of it yet. But does it change your on on one level, does it change your perspective? Um 
Yes. Hold, hold on yes. one second. I, I please give me this. give me give me an answer, Candy. I need something. Please, <laughs> please. When oh, Greg, when you start talking about time travel, first of all, I don't know if you're familiar with one of the graduate level programs at Monroe Institute called Timelines. It's a week long program. I've taken it. It's fabulous. But you actually set out what your timeline is and you can go back and then you can also go to the future. Mm. Now, my opening, I mean, here I am a psychologist who only believed what the physical senses measured until one day when my world just opened. But since then, the way I look at life is all through the lens of energy. We all know Nikola Tesla, and he had that one quote, um, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. I look at life. I look at everything through that lens of energy. What yes. I thought was woo-woo isn't. What I thought was mystical or spiritual really isn't. It's all a matter of adjusting your vibrations, using your brain to fine-tune your senses so those senses blend. So you have um, synesthesia. You can now start to taste music or listen to numbers or oh, that's not a good example, whatever, but you're using your 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 senses differently. And then what I have found out is, you know, when I first stepped into the world of the of quote, air quote, spirit or the world of energy, I thought, whoa, this is so cool. It's so different. But then there was this part of me that it's like, oh, but this is also very familiar. This is so familiar. So I've realized that we are multi, I've not realized, I've learned because I've experienced that we are multi-dimensional beings. Most of us keep our awareness in this very dense physical body. So we think we are our physical bodies. But once you start navigating the world through that lens of energy, you open up these interdimensional channels and we're granted access to to these new worlds, these new strange yet familiar worlds. So it's like we do exist in more than one dimensional space. And mm. those other extraordinary realms of consciousness, including time travel, that's just aspects, different aspects of the singular truth of who I am. And I am not this physical body. I am an energy being. Um, in my first book, I talk about a message that the messengers told me about time. I used to think of time as linear, straight line from point A to point B. It traveled in one direction only. And our point of existence, our awareness traveled on that dot. You know, that dot traveled on that line, straight direction. But then the messengers told me that that's not time. Time is not a straight line. It's a sine wave, a curvy line. So when you now look from point A to point B with a curvy line, you realize 
that trip from here to grandma's house just got longer. Then when you learn to expand outside of your physical body, we become this huge sphere, this three-dimensional globe of activity. We're in the field. So you take that field and you overlay it on your sine wave, and then you realize, oh, now I can experience the past. Now I can experience what we call the future. Look at people, they even, the messengers even told me about people who have near-death experiences so many times. And some of these are the people that, you know, you think you're going to get in an accident, but you don't, but you still have this view of looking at your body below. They explained it because your consciousness, your awareness explodes to this huge sphere you are no longer operating within the constraints of your physical body. You're out in the field. And the messenger said, well, that's why people see their body below, because they're expanded. So we can all time travel. It's something that we can do. So thanks. I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> I love it. Great. I love it. A great answer. I, I find that a lot of um, trauma clients, um, when when I'm doing hypnotherapy with them, that they they actually realized that they were out of their body every time there was a trauma or a rape or a, you know an abuse. Yeah. That they would watch it from you know um, what you know one girl would watch it from the corner of her wardrobe and she always made sure her wardrobe door was always a little bit open so that she could go into there and another one would run up the stairs and into a little cupboard and things like that. But I've always wondered, and you guys might be the right team to ask, if this was time travel or not, or whether I'm just crazy, but it was just something that happened to me. So when, when my son, who's now 31, when he was, um, you know, very, very young, I moved to a country town with my grandmother. Anyway, I was in a, um, I'd had to leave uh, the world of uh, clothes design and things like that. And so I'm in this country town, and we're in this very, very dark, dark room. And it was a very dark time for me. And, but, you know, in the mountains, there's not a lot of light anyway, but when she had the curtain shut, it was so black, you just couldn't see anything. Like I couldn't see the baby lying next to me. And, and, um, and I was really, really down and, and I was asleep with him and I woke because something was behind me and I turned and looked and there was a woman looking at me and I thought she had like a, like a big, like a cloak thing, you know, over her face and she was looking at me and I, I knew I knew she was telling me it's all going to be okay, right? This is going to pass the You know, I was married for three weeks, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, outcome of that was I'm staying at my grandmother's with my child. And, um, and anyway, so I, so I turned over and I saw this woman just, just looking at me and it like lit the room up, you know, not greatly, but she was very bright and then it lit the room up. And, and as I looked and turned and I, I immediately, of course, I turned back to, you know, grab the baby and make sure he was okay. And then when I turned back, it was gone. So I always thought of that and, and um, you know, it's something that, that carried with me of, of like, what was that? And then a few years ago, I had a, um, I had an experience and I went to, I was in the room looking at myself. And telling myself, it's going to be okay. You know? like I went back to that young woman and 
gave myself a hug and said, you got this. So is that a time travel or is that a, just a brain phenomenon or something that like popped into my mind years later and became like a vision oh. or, a, you know, but it felt very, very real that I was in that room yeah. with myself. I could smell the room. Yeah. But, mm. Angie, let, let me speak to that. As you were telling that story, I, I had cold chills all over. And that's one of my key indicators that someone to really pay attention to what's being said or, or what's going yeah. on and that you're speaking the truth. And as I could see you in that bed with that person behind you, and there was this angelic type of energy yeah. to her. But my yeah. mind didn't go to this is an angel. My mind went to this is you. This is you who has mm. stepped out of their singular form as a human, as a as a person with a physical body, but you've stepped more into that field of who you really are. So mm. that's why you had this just, you, you could see her and she was all light, but it came to you later when you saw yourself using that, that same term, but yeah. it's, yes, it's, it's in a way it's, it's time travel, but I'm also, I'm, I see it more importantly as, a way that you actually rose above and connected to part of your true essence of who you who you truly are. Mm. And when mm. you're in that field, of course, time doesn't exist. Past or present, they're all the same. Yeah. But what a beautiful story. Yeah, exactly. Craig, have Craig, then the next thing is so, so you, was so was it the broken me reaching up and asking forward or was it the forward me going back and holding? It's all the same you. So, Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I but tell. What, but what? Like I had a, a weird you, time travel <laughs> experience too. Um, like was during that seizure. I always talk about like I had, a, I had an epileptic seizure and I had this out of body experience, yep. and then I came we back. Did the, didn't I interview you on that? Yeah. Yeah. And then after, like a, a week later, after I had the seizure, I got a book in the mail on time paradoxes from Oxford University. You know, a place I would never order a book from on time paradoxes. And the receipt was dated six months into the future. So I had actually That's took a right. picture of it and posted it on Facebook at that date. So I had proof that it actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Angie, can I have a, <clears throat> I wanted a quick question on your, uh, you, you have a son. Was, yeah. was he ever, um, did he ever mention having similar experiences to you throughout his life? Or have you ever asked him, has he ever had any kind of manifestation yes. like that? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yep. He's, he's a very similar soul to myself and, um, has had, um, you know, many visitations. He used to, you know, just see auras around people. So, um, you know, I had someone asking me about auras, like, how can you, and I don't know, but you know, at the time I could see some auras. And I'm sort of like this, and then Zach came running through, and I said, Zach, what can you see? And he said exactly the same thing. There was like a headache coming out of the side of the guy's head and things like that, and he just went running through. So he's just always been a very natural a natural um, healer and, and communicator as well. Not so much now that he's an adult because he's had to, you know, sort of become very much in the physical. He's got three children and one with brain cancer, and, you know, so he's, very much in 
made this mode. So, and as we all do, we we put things away for a while, and then we can come back to it when we're you know, got the space and time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, no, very much so. Yeah, I had a I had a meeting at um I was working in emergency services and and I had a meeting and I I sort of I, I've I've walked through a lot in life of where um. I, I don't know, sort of middle managers and things feel very sort of threatened or something, but there was a project that I'd worked on, which was the life critical one for the agency. And, um, and, um, we had the big meeting and all the IT team and everyone were there. And, and, um, she actually vetoed it because it was off my desk. And, you know, to me, it's like, well, you know, that's really going to hurt when, and we have a tidal wave on the east coast, but anyway, and um, and walked out of the meeting, and the IT boys came up and said, "Oh my God!" He said, "You're like a, you're like a, like an atom bomb." He said, "You know, you're just sitting there, just just smiling away, you know." And he said, "It was like they went," and he said, it "Literally went right through me." And one of the guys said, "Me too," and they're like, "Oh my God!" It's like the energy out of you is a. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm all good. And we're walking back. Next thing, my phone rings, and it's my son. He goes, "Hey, mum, you okay?" And the boys are like, "Oh my god, that's unbelievable!" You know, we just have this, yeah. So, yes, he he does very much. So, sorry, that was a very long answer to a very short question. But no, I think it's relevant because there is. Um the site a lot of times uh, birthed out of a or uh, tuned again because of trauma. But I think we miss because uh, in our optimism or in our ability to overcome trauma, we miss, I think, the genesis of the same site out of sheer happiness, not from an individual mm. or a situation. But I think those same senses are there in our in our accomplishments and in our joys and in our uh um, that, that those spaces we might describe as Zen or transcendent, I think yes. that the same skills can be honed. And so the question is, okay, maybe it was forged or reactivated in trauma, but then there's, you know, what's the, what's the yang? What's the other? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, for example, a fan like, like the, the mandala behind you or the, uh, what's the, the lotus flower. So, you know, like there's 80,000 pathways to Buddhahood. There's eighty thousand pathways to find these these tools. And, no, and and you know, believe me, Angie, I'm not. I and, definitely don't and, don't feel defined. Like finding finding them through that, and then anything. developing them through happiness. Exactly. Well, I, I find one, totally I, agree with you. Yeah, and with you, Angie, I well, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I think that there are people, and like Candy, I think there are people who actually have. It's not, although you, your history is your history, and and that that. Hmm. I'm looking more at the fact that you're already the kind of person who's plugged into this human system that I, again, I've described as being very broken, but I think that the, your sensitivities individually aren't just based in the, the bad or the good. It's just mm. that you're someone who is plugged into the system where the general question is, what else do you experience? Not in spite of or because of oh. the, or the yeah. negative. It's just that I find you very insightful yeah. for these experiences because you, 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 whatever's genetically and working mechanically mm-hmm. in your ancient biotech, it's connecting you in a way and you're seeing things that other people aren't or better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, absolutely. I've, Look, I've, 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 I mean, there's four, there's four siblings 
and we're actually all healers and you know separated very young and we've all taken different pathways and we've all sort of found each other again now and you know we're all healers and you know uh, New Zealand Maori and coming from a very great tribe of healers and and very wise people so yeah it's ancestral on on a lot of different pathways up as well yes I agree I think that that was just my um I think it was my chosen cupboard to open you know like the the whack yeah. around the head opens my eyes and I can go ah there it is and then I can reach in and bring the skills back does that make sense yeah and then yeah. I can work with them in a gentle very good way yeah I mean, they've, so they've it's a, re, a recognition pathway, a recognition of what I already knew and skills that I already had that I'm bringing. In. And yeah, I, think, I think we all have that ability. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very fascinating. In fact, that you have a son or, or if it had been a daughter, it's just that genetically it's interesting how these things manifest through generations. And there's a lot of studies, Harvard, they, we've proven that we can not only pass direct memories, but that we're holding genetic memories they're not just instincts yeah. so what's manifesting yeah, I, in you is just fascinating so i'm just and i've, I've got on my fridge a drawing by who was then my three-year-old granddaughter um, of the same thing and she was just told that granny's um a bit sick and going to the hospital so she drew a picture and we're looking at the picture and i'm going to them can you see what she's drawn here and they're like what i'm going so she's done this stick thing and she's got like the black thing here with a gray thing and then a sword that the doctor's got and then he pulls out the snake and then there's a rainbow over exactly the arm that had the cancer and it was all going to be all right. And I've kept that on my fridge forever because that was a three-year-old little girl going, yeah. So uh -huh. to me that was just a very quiet little validation that my son and I had of like, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe she's got it too, yeah. Wow. Mm. Cool. Greg, have you had time to think further on... Um... I, um, you answered the question for me, everybody. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> those, were all the, that, those were all the answers. Um, yeah. so, Greg, have, have, any of, have any of your interviewees um, like done exercises with you or, or taking you on pathways to actually go into that journey? You know, to try and travel? Like, you know, it's, it's great to no talk one, to No talk, one except you, actually be able to. <laughs> no one except you on our failed attempt with the with the computer audio. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, you know some people uh, have they tried to take me on the journey. Uh, very rare, and 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 you know I I, I don't know. Do I? I you know the the one person actually someone wanted to do it with me, and I haven't. I still need to take it up with her uh, and Jersh who is uh she's a future life progressionist um she's a hypnotist and she stumbled she's Australian, isn't she i she might be originally yeah yeah she she's in london now um i don't know maybe she's all uk i'm not sure but she started as a medium and then stumbled on hypnosis and uh accidentally stumbled on going to the future and perceiving things in the future and uh yeah she does the future life progression work with people and that's been her thing and she works with corporate clients and stuff and she said yeah greg i'll do a session with you so i don't know it's uh perhaps maybe what this whole thing is is 
giving me more incentive to actually uh, have some kind of spiritual connection. Because, yeah, originally when I started, I was so... I wasn't that I was... I probably did have more unconscious resistance than I was even aware of. But uh, <clears throat> the more I go into this, the more I'm going, oh my gosh, it would be so great to connect with these star beings and feel one with everything and the potential and the unit, all, all these worlds that I could access um, that I wasn't even aware of inside of myself. Um, I, I think talking to guests like all of you, uh, it has given me the belief that uh, these worlds actually have some have some interesting content. Um, something that something that I something that I might want to really engage with um, in a way that is different than what I experience in my waking everyday reality. Perhaps that's the answer. I really don't know the answer, Jared. No, it's it's more about it's always about where you're at. It's never a right or wrong. It's just there's a place you can either you can be a spectator in your own life or you can and, and not you specifically. There are many people who spectate their lives. It's you pointed it out earlier. They consume. They yeah. are they're one dimensional or however you want to, you know, keynote it for what the trend is with people who are you know, into the woo woo or otherwise, you know, you can talk dimensions. But the reality is that uh, you you shouldn't no one my personal opinion off air would be no one should spectate their own life the reality is that how you individually experience and where you're at has to be where you start with um i'm going to self-experiment with this meditation with this workout with this diet uh the food and what i intake will uh express within my genes over 14 to 21 days along with my other routines and my brain entrainments on a daily basis will affect how you are plugged into your own life. And, yes. and, and so it doesn't, you have no wrong answer. It's just, it's interesting because you're very, um, you, you've always given the impression that you, you know, you're, you're thinking on it. Um, you definitely take in, uh, you've been very good as a host or as a, you know, as you ask questions of a guest, I mean, you're thinking about what they're thinking about, but then what's interesting is I want to know what the thinker's going to do with what he's thinking about. Whoa. Yeah. How do I get there? How do I get there? What can I do? Namaste. <laughs> what should That's I what do? Should, should I just take drugs? I mean, what, what should I? Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, well, it's hard. It's, it's well, mm, some, some episodes that I've done where I've reflected on the people who've come on before. But, um... I suppose, yeah. I mean, Gary, I, 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 I guarantee, I, I know I've listened to episodes of your show where you bring the knowledge that Carrie has brought for, or can't, sorry, Candy has brought from one episode into an interview with Jared, and it's putting the pieces together. I, I've always, uh, I, I, I like that kind of broadcast. I mean, I, I appreciate when the host is able to piece different aspects of the puzzle together and doesn't just start completely fresh each time because i feel like the listener gets more of like a oh there's more here uh mm. experience so that is yes i would say that there is a puzzle here that i'm piecing together and certainly you know i mean when i went to the national world war ii museum in new orleans a couple weeks ago uh i was looking around at and I was going, 
oh my gosh, this is so interesting. Wait, we, we were engaged in all of this and look at our artillery, uh, artillery and, 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 uh, look at all these weapons and these events. And I'm going, yeah, but what about the time travel projects that were going on? Well, what about the, where was, where's the Philadelphia experiment fit into this? Where, what about the grays? Were there, and I'm standing there going, could all of this just be BS? I've been putting myself in this world with people, or <laughs> is it all real, or is it possible because the military-industrial <clears throat> complex is so involved that, of course, there's room to do time travel experiments because we just have so much investment in our military that they, they, there's no question that this country is largely militaristic. And, and that's where a lot of our economy goes. So, of course, they're doing weird experiments. I don't know. that That's kind of how it functions on a daily basis, me just reflecting on history and wondering how uh, how it could fit in together with the mainstream. Hmm. Interesting. Like, yeah, I mean, I definitely, the go our government is all about military. And, and you know, you, you've had um, Dr. Richard Allen Miller on. Your show. Oh, yeah. And, and, and his job was to train Navy SEALs basically almost like just to just literally just brainwash them into not feeling emotions for their actions. Yeah. That's something I find that's sorry. That's something I find with, with PDS clients from, from the Army is that, um, you know, doing hypnosis with them and undoing it and going back to the triggers is what I target, um, not the event. Um, you know, when they join the army, they are, they are hypnotized basically or brainwashed. Uh, they, their, their brain is worked to like, you know, you're going to run to mommy, you're going to run to mommy, mommy's no good for you now, mommy's not going to help you now, it's us, you know, and, and, and so they just broken down and then they're built back up into this space where it's like without a thought, because this is life critical for them and their comrades, without a thought, if they're told to shoot that person there, they will shoot them because, you know, it could be a five-year-old child with a bomb on it that someone may have seen, and that's why the instruction is given. So it's all life critical. But when they come back, it's not undone. So then they're walking out to their family, and they're like, you know, the soldier, I, I know I love my kids. I know I love them, but I hold them, I feel nothing. You know, we go in there and undo it. It's like, oh. And we just go and strip it out, and then we go back to the PTSD triggers, you know, my triggers for PTSD were, um, you know, when I went in, like I shook for six months, I was in hospital for three months after the event and, um, um, you know, the normal system as psychologist, this wasn't helpful to me in particular and, and I ended up, I, I had to do something because it was, you know, it was kind of very critical to me and um, so I wrote a hypnosis session for myself and then played it back to myself. And I went in and I used to have these seizures where I was, I was completely clear in my mind. It's like one of those nightmares. And, and obviously I looked terrible on the outside because people are freaking out and, you know, oh, I rang an ambulance and my eyes are rolling, whatever. But inside I'm in there going, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. Leave me alone. Just give me a minute. You know, and, and, um, and so going in and throwing this back and, you know, standing inside the, the seizures and then, Taking it back to, you know, the moment the decisions made to have a seizure, it's like 15 minutes for a seizure. My body showed me that it gets a sense of nausea. 
and that nausea is the first warning of your brain going overload, overload, you need to shut down, you need to step away, you need to... And so, you know, from now on, when that happens, and instead of doing that, I will take three deep breaths, I'll allow myself to leave and find somewhere for 20 minutes, you know, to just quietly wind down and, or, you know, from home I'll sleep 20 minutes so that my brain can reset. And I went through all of the triggers, and you know, from that moment on, I never had another seizure because it captured it, right? So, where was I starting with? Oh, with PTSD. So it's like these soldiers, you know, they're coming back and they still have all of those triggers plus the, pre, the pre-war training plus all of the trauma there and nothing's being done about it. They're just being turfed back out into, you know, general civilian population and they've actually been trained that they are a, a different species from us. That's how they're hypnotized. And then they come back and they're like, they've got to fit in and you go and work for some jerk at the service station, you know? And Do we believe that war ever actually needs to be fought, though? That's the real question. It doesn't. Right? It's bullshit. Like, why are we getting these soldiers in this position? When, I mean, look, I know that we are, I've heard people predict that tomorrow is the day that Russia invades Ukraine, which scares me. We're, we're, this is Tuesday, February 15th, 2022, by the way. Um, some guy that claims he's a time traveler in one of these Facebook groups is like, February 16th, get ready. It's the day. Um, also, people are making calls about the day that the aliens disclosure happens, which they've been doing forever. But um, it is weird that NASA had those the clergy people come, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that kind of strange? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, there's there's some interesting stuff going on. But I'm sitting. Yeah, Gary, I'm with you. I'm going. Does it? Why put people through this exercise? How often it just seems like it is a profiteering enterprise Absolutely. always. Yeah, one of the things always. that I also find power, interesting. Power and, control, power and control with a side burst of profiteering and you know, population. Um, or, or we don't know what they're fighting over, like the Iraq war, you know? Like, right. you know, there's a lot of people who say there's a Stargate in Iraq, and that's what they were really fighting over. It had nothing to that. do with Saddam Hussein, had nothing to do with oil. It didn't even have to do with the profiteering of Blackwater. It was just all about that Stargate. Yeah, what is up with that Stargate theory? That was one of the things that really hooked me into... Uh this stuff i know i've seen supposed photos of that thing um i, I have no idea do you know. have any insight on that candace on no that i stuff no i can't but i want to tell you where i've been when you first started talking but then i didn't want to interrupt hey oh me um, y- yes yes angie i saw this orb and, and i know we're on zoom but those in the podcast obviously aren't going to be able to see this since it's just audio. But did anyone else catch that orb that flew right behind Angie? It was so cool. I almost just stopped immediately to say, wait, to did back. you see that? That was that was so cool. And I've seen wow. a couple behind you, Greg, except it could, yours could have been a reflection, but hers was so clear that I love uh, orb photography. So anyway, that's where my brain is. So <laughs> I know nothing wow. about stargates, but I do like to watch orbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. But I do agree what Gary is saying as far as war. It's like, why? What's what's the purpose of it? You know, there is unity. We are all one. But most people don't realize that, that what you do to someone affects you as well, too. It's not us versus them. But um, a lot of people aren't there. Most people aren't there. How about you, Jared? Which part? War. Just kidding. (laughs) What do you think? What is it we're fighting for? Stargates or is uh, it just greed? (laughs) God, what's it good for? Yeah, I keep wanting to burst in, so I'm... Well, there's actually, you know, I caught a layer right away when Greg asked the question, which is, I think there's something that maybe Angie or Candy can speak to on the psychology. And I have some, ironically, I'm very close to a number of people that have been in a number of different wars and they were special forces. They saw, they also saw hand to hand combat. Um, they've done horrible. I mean, they've had to do horrible things, but the, I think part of the question was, is it ever good for anything? But part of it was also, what is the type of person? And this has nothing to do with them being bad. That is willing to commit themselves to go do it on behalf of the war machine, which there is no legitimate war. There's no reason for us to get to that point. The joke that, hey, one government has a conflict with another. Why don't you put them all in a room with knives and see how far that goes? You know, that's that's the truth of it. Instead, they get, you know, the psychology behind yes. the individual is what's most interesting to me. And because there's something being taken advantage of there, there's also an innocence. And then it's being destroyed and lost of people who are truly, I think, most for the most part. I mean, I'm not trying to answer my, the question myself. I, I do think there's something to the, um, they're, they're taking advantage of people that are committing to go out and do these things on behalf of people that there's, there's no reason to do this. But it, how about it, from it, the ancient it, technology point of view? Do you think that's what they're really fighting over? Do you think so, they know that there's this ancient technology available and that's what they're really trying to get after? So one of my new guests that I haven't released um, the interview yet is named, well, he goes by Sufi. Um, but on, you know, early in the original Iraq war, uh, I don't know if anyone recalls. Do you remember they found, uh, they said they found Gilgamesh's tomb? Mm-hmm. And well, it got, it, it, it there was actually news about it. And to out of place, out of time artifacts for Greg's point. Uh, what's interesting is they find the tomb and immediately boom, we're, I, you know, we're in this Iraq war and then all information about the tomb and what was found or not found and all of it going back to whether it's Anunnaki or, you know, the, the Sumerian culture. But what's interesting is I think people can recall that the, uh, Iraq museum was raided. And not by the locals, but by the United States government and special forces, they rolled up. And one of the things, just I'm going to point out one of the things that was taken was, and I wrote about it in, in not alien, in, it's not aliens worse. It's us was the Baghdad battery disappeared mm. also in that raid. And there were a what number of. Inter- so the Sorry, Baghdad- just for a 
Uh, the Baghdad battery is literally what it sounds like. It's a battery that they think was used for electroplating. <clears throat> and here's the thing. It was a German archaeologist, and he didn't find one. He found five. And the thing is, you know, every time they find something, they say it's the first or it's the oldest, which is horse, whatever. And, yeah. you know, the Antikythera device, first computer. It's like, no, it's the only one you found that didn't get rusted away completely. It just drives me nuts. But yeah. when it came to this raid, one, Gilgamesh's tomb, all the speculation on, you know, technology of the Anunnaki and, uh, you know, and Zachariah Sitch and stuff is all garbage, most of it. But the point is, um, you know, could there have been a technology within the Gilgamesh find? Maybe. But then things like not just valuable, multi, you know, priceless artifacts that collectors wanted. They rolled up and they took things that were in storage, including the Baghdad battery, which was there is what's really interesting about electroplating in the ancient world. And this is we're talking about something that's over three and a half thousand years old from a group of people that lived in Baghdad, Iraq area that had nothing to do with the Sumerians. But there were a number of cultures that we don't talk about. But this this Baghdad battery was part of a system that was likely electroplating. Uh, they've found things that date back three and a half to five thousand years that have a nano, a perfect nanotechnology layer of single. Basically, it's a finer layer than anything used in the technologies we are speaking and looking at each other on. And the Baghdad battery is a very primitive uh, manifestation of the technology, but it, along with a number of other things, and I am going to be doing an episode about the Gilgamesh tomb, but suddenly we have an Iraq war and we're all talking about oil and, well, you know, they were going to go to a gold standard, you know, and the money and the, and the, and the gray state and the money, they, 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 you know, they didn't want that. And that's why we went to Qaddafi and that's why Qaddafi went away because he was going to create a monetary state out of gold and it's all about the money. And suddenly yet again, here we are, you know, and there's all these tragedies and we can talk about the war and everything else. And then one more thing, or if you want to go down the conspiratorial road, then there's the, you know, low on the list of issues is, yes, yeah, so what? They found a dirty old tomb and a bunch of stuff went missing from a muse museum that was probably worth a lot of money and somebody wanted to collect it. Um, but no one's been talking about those items since. And no one's been talking about them. Right. Yeah, so there's there's a lot to that when it comes to the, uh, the Iraq world or all of these wars. Uh, again, if we general gray state conversation is... You know, there's a cycle to keeping the industrial complex moving and it's time to rebuild a city. You know, it's like, we, you know, we're this giant uh, Halliburton and we get hired to rebuild cities and sewer systems and we get trillions of dollars or billions of dollars. And so we need to destroy some cities because it's time to rebuild infrastructure. It's time to, you know, it's there. There's a world market for it. And ironically, they've developed a system where it seems like it's fairly um, uh, you don't have to send Europe, Russia and America into complete chaos. There's enough of the third world and enough technology now that it seems like, um, you know, like Afghanistan, they have what they have the largest reserve of the, of the elements we need for lithium ion batteries. And, you know, there, there seems to be enough. Um, places of conflict that are, I thought were feeding the beast enough. So when you see this thing that I have a friend, I personally don't, but I have a friend who's got friends in Ukraine and they say, this is very common for the Russians to threaten 
but we're seeing an actual troop buildup and we're seeing what's going on right now, given the date that Greg just said that there's this chance that something might actually happen. So if that's true, my question is back to what, what part of the, in the world of the gray state arena, what companies like they're, they're not employed enough right now. Like what do we need to ramp up? What, what mass production of concretes and urban structure development, things we don't think about or talk about, uh, who needs to lay another million miles of fiber optic? What's going on that there has to be an actual physical um, demolition of infrastructure and human beings? What's the what what where where are we at in the uh, techno bio purge here and distraction? Isn't it all petrol in Ukraine? Uh, oh, I don't know. Gas or. I mean, the re I know there's been a reserve map that's been floating around about saying, here's the world's uh, reserve of oil, um, which is oil, really yeah. interesting. We still don't know exactly how oil works, which is really interesting. And there's lots of ways to make modern biofuels. But then, mm -hmm. you know, North Dakota, I mean, I live in Minnesota and there's a massive amount of we were very energy efficient until all that got shut down recently. It makes no sense. And meanwhile, nobody ever talks about the amount of natural oil that is seeping into the ocean itself, way beyond an Exxon Valdez. I mean, the amount of oil that the world bleeds into what has developed into a natural bacteria that eats it all the time. I'm not saying this is a reason to pollute the world. I'm just saying we don't have a very uh, holistic view of, say, the oil oil energy map when the world is either creating it or bleeding it into the ocean among other places and we're not we're not totally capturing or utilizing our or being efficient with any technology right now and, and and is it lagging because of a collective human consciousness to bring it back to consciousness is it that you know every human life is valuable because you're part of this entire grid whether you are banging rocks or whether you think you're developing the cure to cancer so if you're part of that total collective consciousness, your mind space is part of that collective human ram that I think we all tap into. And then given our, given our biotech, we may manifest a being or something that represents an internal conflict that is an entity, or we might call it paranormal. And, you know, I've gone on about this kind of thing. I, I do think there are elements that push artificial situations like conflict and war for very low brain, a very low, um, very, uh, the last few hundred years of the groups that have been pushing whatever they're pushing. It's so detached from our, what we've all just talked about our, our true powers and our true abilities on this planet in the great ancient past to get to Gary's point of ancient high technology. I don't think, I don't think we realize a lot of the technology is internal and biotech. It's yes. not an yeah, the it's, internal. That's it, man. You're so yeah. right. I'm sorry to interrupt. I think that no. is ultimately where it comes down yeah. to, right? That, that has been the coolest part is, um, you know, they talk about, uh, the idea of Tesla's ability to, 
come up inside with the machine in his mind and then yep. build it outside. Uh, I'm kind of on the journey of uh, looking at the outside and then bringing it back and then bringing it out again. And then, yeah, it's that back and forth of the internal and the external. That the downloads that we get or like people describe it as I got a download. And exactly. And, and uh, yeah, you're right. No, no, yeah. That, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to. I I have to run. Yeah. But so so does Candice. So congratulations, both of you guys. Yeah. Thank Candace, you for stopping I want to connect with you. Um, yeah, yeah. I always I always network on these shows. I got to get Jared on again. <laughs> Angie, Gary, all of you. Um. Yeah. Congratulations, man. A true Thanks, milestone. Man. Keep doing what you're doing. I love it. Um. Yeah. It's 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 been a pleasure, everybody. I I look forward to 600. And dude, six, we gotta six, six, ha- we got we gotta six, six, ha- we gotta hang six, out, dude. Now that we're near each other, exactly. We gotta meet up, hit up that that friend of ours. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody, peace out. Much love. Bye, Bye Greg. Bye. Bye, Greg. I've got to leave too, Gary. Thank you so much. Thank this you. has been great. Bye, bye. Wonderful four hundred. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. See you, Candice. We'll have to get together on um, Messenger. Oh, yes, please do. I'd love to continue the chat. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have sessions for this where, um, you know, we can talk about each of your work and, and just ask questions and, like, just be a great little panel discussion. I'd yeah, love to know more about that. what you guys do. Yeah. All that right, would beautiful. be great. Awesome. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Oh, hi. All right. Well, this was fun, Gary. Happy 400. Thank you. The best 400th um, episode I've ever done. That's the only one you've done, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we were, it was Angie and all of us sitting around with Greg and those other people when you told us that we weren't really, no, it was 100, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the 100th yeah. One. And you're like, this well, isn't my 100th episode. And everyone's like, what the hell? I could feel it. Uh, this is really, yeah. the, this is really the 400th episode. Yeah, this and is I was banging on about COVID. <laughs> yeah. And then actually actually everyone, this is my six 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 episode. This is, yeah. that, this is that episode. Uh thank I mean I, I mean obviously we'll be co hosting plenty of other stuff, so there's um but this was fun and Angie it was so fun to see you again. I, I'm sorry I waited thank you. two, three hundred episodes. Probably should I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well uh, we'll have to do that panel. Yeah, really? I would cool. love to know more about your work. Yeah, well, we should. Um, I know we talked about it before, but we should definitely connect offline. Um, yep. Uh, and then uh, not for you at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all good. Let's, let's so get... I keep turning the I keep turning the camera around so I can like lie on a cushion for a minute and then I get back up. <laughs> oh. Hey, we got to see puppies, so that worked. Yep. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but you, uh, you know, you, yeah, definitely. After you get some sleep, uh, please, uh, you know, send me an email, and we'll um, we'll do. do this. Awesome. All right then. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, g- goodbye, Gary. I'm going bye, to everyone. For- Thanks for being here. All right. Bye, Gary. Love you guys. Bye, hey, Gary. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, I gotta play the outro. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com.
and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guarantee. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life.